If you've been unfaithful and you've confessed your sin to your spouse, you might think, okay, I've done my part, let's move on. But the truth is, just as a wound uh, physically needs time to heal, your spouse's heart needs time to recover emotionally. And if you or a couple you know is in a difficult recovery process, I'm so glad you've joined us today. I'm John Fuller, along with Greg and Aaron Smalley. They lead our marriage team here at Focus on the Family. And let's go ahead and hear a continuation of a conversation that Jim Daly and I had with Mark and Jill Savage. Their story is about how God healed their marriage even after Mark had an affair. And in this clip, they're going to describe some of the ups and downs they faced during the early stages of their relational recovery. Once the affair is confessed, uh, the guilty spouse begins to feel better. You know, you've got it off your chest, so to speak. It's out in the open. Mm -hmm. That part of the hard road is done, and you're feeling lighter, if I could Mm -hmm. say it that way. But the victim, the spouse that's, you know, been betrayed, they're just starting into that mess of how do I figure this out, and what do I do, and where do I go? Did you experience that dynamic in your oh relationship, the messy part? Like he, Ugh. you were feeling better and you're feeling like, I don't know what I should do with you at this moment. Well, My arrogance and confidence rose off the charts. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that, which was, I'd never really seen that side of you mm-hmm. because I think the other dynamic that happened was you were passive, 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 passive until you said, I'm done and I'm out of here. And then I saw this side Mm. where there was no more passivity and I didn't even know what to do with that, Mm -hmm. Um, which we see that in a lot of the couples that we coach and that we encourage and that we help, you know, in what we do now. Let me, because I I understand that. Describe that though, Mark. What, why do men behave that way? We we cocoon, we hide emotionally. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we just let everything kind of go. Okay, that's fine. And then the monster comes out, the confident right. monster. Right. I think uh, it does. I think that goes back to Genesis, that we, when a man doesn't know what to do, he does nothing, and that's not a good decision on his part. And so we coward and we hide and we think that we need to be silent. And it's really important that a man find his voice yeah. and not wait until that blow up. It's a dynamic I've seen in couples where there is a strong woman. Jill, yes. you are a strong woman. Yes. Um, does that make it harder for a guy to express his voice? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right. You get it's tired. kind of a rhetorical question, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was is that, that because, was one of is the... that because you would you would try and she would shoot you down or, or shut you off? Absolutely. I would try to voice my thoughts or my opinions, and then finally you go, ah, forget it. And so that was a place where I had to focus on my own growth. Mm-hmm. I realized I had misused my strength. And I needed to learn how to leverage it in a way that honored my husband, in a way that um, didn't minimize his voice. And remember when we talked yesterday about that we went to lunches together? Right. Well, I was beginning to change the way that I was using my voice at those lunches. How so? I mean, practically. Um, he would make a statement, and instead of squashing that statement and telling him what I would think, I would ask a question and ha- ask further. <laughs> and so I was drawing him out. I was using reflective listening. So what I hear you saying is this. Did you know to do that? Was that 
formulaic or was it coming naturally? Um, I was a- I had actually uh, read a book that was um, uh, very powerful for me. It was called The God-Empowered Wife. And it was a book for strong women and how strong women can, the funny thing is the subtitle I think is how strong women can help their husbands become godly leaders, which is really. infuriated me. I was like, <laughs> it's, like it's up that. to her to help you. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it was, written, doing that our whole it was life. written to draw that strong woman in and want to read the book. Right. right? And she addresses that in the She intro. totally does. Yeah. So I'm reading it and I'm applying it and uh-huh. I'm going, I'm starting to use my strength in a, a different way. And so week after week, I'm making changes, which at first he goes, eh, you're manipulating me. But I'm we'll really, see. I'm yeah. realizing, mm-hmm. no, I have to change this again, yeah. whether our marriage makes it or not. I have to change this. I have misused my strength. And that is so good for people to hear. And I think, again, today we want to concentrate on equipping the people that are kind of where you used to be. Mm-hmm. And in that context, Mark, yesterday you mentioned kind of your mentality at the moment was let's just get over let's get this done with let's keep Mm -hmm. moving let's get Mm -hmm. the divorce let's figure out what we're going to do with the kids now it's almost like typical male problem solving Mm -hmm. you know we got to figure out who gets the kids when and but something pulled you back from that i'd say it was the lord right but explain why couples who have gone through this and are willing at least to have hope maybe again we know trust Mm -hmm. is broken but for that guilty spouse to commit to a long-term recovery and not just go into problem-solving mode and to relieve the pain by going through a divorce. You know, so often the data shows that when a divorce occurs, especially I see this data in light of men, you know, they then remarry and the very same problems crop up again because you're not dealing with the core issues. It's you. It wasn't your your first spouse. Mm -hmm. And now you got the same problems in your second marriage or your third marriage. And those typically don't go well either. Mm -hmm. Um, So speak to that long-term commitment. That's really the question. That transition Mm -hmm. that you made from, let's just end this, end the pain. I've got this other thing going. It's far better Mm -hmm. right now. Right, (laughs) right. But you pulled back, and I give you, you know, kudos for that. Mm -hmm. You did pull back and say, I'm going to commit to a long-term process. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if I could say it eyeball eyeball to you, Jill deserves a lot of credit in this whole thing. Oh, absolutely. Because she was faithful. She was faithful. And then she stayed faithful to you. Mm -hmm. So man-to-man, I mean, that's part of it. But Mm -hmm. you deserve credit for pulling back. Mm -hmm. And a lot of men wouldn't do that. No, they keep going. Uh, For me... The process of a long-term commitment was more one foot in front of the other commitment. One day at a time. One day at a time. And uh, my first huge decision was surrender. I had made such a mess, and as a man, we're fixers, and I realized there was not one thing I could do to fix this, which was a beautiful moment for me because it was the moment that God became so real that the only hope I had, which was abundant, was that God would fix this. That was his promise to me. That, and then the picture I had, in fact, on my phone, I have a picture of, of a road with a yellow line down the middle that I would take the hand of God, my dad, and walk on that yellow line. Dad, where are we going? What do you want me to do? And 
uh, part of my commitment to my family and to Jill was I met with every person who I knew I had hurt. I asked forgiveness, and I worked to make it right with my family. Uh, being in ministry, uh, hundreds of people, I spent the whole next year just really working to clean up the mess that I had made as God led me into that situation. Mm-hmm. That was That's powerful. Well, that's really good stuff. And uh, Aaron, I loved how Mark brought up the importance of taking things in recovery kind of one day at a time. Um, that, that can be a, a tough perspective to keep you know, front and center because there are hard days in the journey of recovery. You see that all the time with the couples you work with, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And I would say when we look too far down the road, um, you know, often we start thinking things like, it's always going to be like this. I'm going to feel just like I feel today, you know, 10 months from now. I'm never going to move beyond this. We're never going to move beyond this. And that's where the enemy can just step right in and and stir, continue to stir those thoughts up. Yeah, see, it's always going to be like this. Why are you doing this? You know, you're never going to change. He's never going to change. And versus just taking it day by day. Where are you at today? And not missing out on what God has for you today in this healing process. Sometimes I will encourage my couples, you know, when they're grieving that, you know, something has happened in the relationship that they never dreamt they would go through, um, you know, grieve consistently, maybe even a set time each day that you're meeting with God and going, okay, Lord, what are we dealing with today? Hmm. And what do you want to teach me today? I love that. And I want to even share a, a, a quote from a movie that I was recently watching. It was about a a dad who had recently lost his daughter. And this other dad who had gone through the exact same thing said something like this. He, he said, the bad news is you're never going to be the same. You're never going to be whole, not ever again. You lost your daughter. Nothing's ever going to replace that. Now, the good news is as soon as you accept that and let yourself suffer, you allow yourself to visit her in your mind and you can remember all the love that she gave and the joy that she mm-hmm. knew. And the, the part that really stuck out to me in that powerful scene was when you allow yourself to suffer. And I think that's such an important part of this process is is not avoiding the pain in ignoring the hurt and trying to move on. If I could just, boy, if I can just get past this, but it's actually instead of avoiding that pain, it's, it's leaning in, it's, it's facing it, allowing yourself to suffer. And it seems sort of counterintuitive because of the pain that everybody's already gone through. But I'm telling you, as Aaron is saying, when you really let it be okay, like on any given day, any given moment Mm -hmm. that right now, boy, I feel the hurt. I feel the pain. Instead of that taking you to a place of anger, or whatever else that might be unhealthy, you really allow your heart just to, to hurt in that way. But you lean in, you face that, you allow yourself to suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what often happens then is your spouse will be watching you and all they see is the anger. They don't know what's going on underneath the waterline in essence. And nor do you, unless you sit and you acknowledge like, I'm really struggling today. Huh, I wonder why, you know, what's going on inside of me? And then it's an opportunity once you sit and care for whatever's really going on to take it to your spouse and go, hey, can we can we check in? And can I just share with you where I'm at today? Right. And then that brings an opportunity for connection. Hmm. 
That's really good. And I think going back to something you said earlier, Aaron, um, as you talked about not trying to rush the process and miss what God has for me today, I, I spent a lot of time in airports recently, and you do you do this all the time. So you yeah. see people that are on their phone, crowded airport, thousands of people trying to get someplace, and this person is totally unaware of their circumstances and their surroundings. Yeah. They're missing where they're at because they're glued to the distraction. So my encouragement to you as a listener is don't try to soothe or distract so much that you don't feel it. Take Greg and Aaron's uh, admonitions and their wisdom to heart. Feel what you feel so that you can be present in the moment and get through it to the destination that God has for you. Yeah, and trust that God will meet you there. Yes. Because throughout Scripture, specifically in Matthew, I was just studying that he will give you what you need in the moment. Manna for today. Yeah, yeah. And, and Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet. It wasn't, you know, a 20,000 lumen flashlight that goes three <laughs> miles. It was a little candle that went about three feet. You in the dark on a path in the woods, three feet is all you need. Right. If you go Scary slow enough, though, yeah. it is all you yeah. need. Yeah. Well, if you need someone to go on that journey with you, if you feel like I can't do this, it's going too slow, or I can't wait to to get through it, or I can't feel anything anymore, uh, and you don't have a trusted Christian friend or a counselor uh, to talk with, give us a call. Our counseling team is available. Uh, donors make it possible for them to have a free consultation with you, 20, 25-minute phone call. And uh, give us a call. We'll schedule a time for them to call you back. They're great. They're caring. They'll listen to you. They'll pray with you. They'll guide you in some next steps. And, of course, this reminder that Jill Savage has written a great book, Your Next Steps, and we'll send a copy of that to you when you donate uh, to the Ministry of Focus on the Family, a gift of any amount. You'll find details in the show notes. Next time, Pastor Rob Flood and his wife Gina share how they learned to get over an argument on their honeymoon. Uh, For the Smallies and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.